All right, well, good evening, everyone. Thank you for inviting me here. I was thinking of many different things to speak about tonight. And after hearing our song, Man of Sorrows, I thought, well, I have to think about Revelation chapter 19, just as a little compare and contrast. Turn with me, if you will, please, to Revelation 19. This is a scene that John the Apostle saw, and we've been studying this with the youth group. We're currently going through eschatology, and uh, we haven't talked about this at the youth group yet. But in Revelation 19, we have here a contrast. So imagine the man of sorrows, humble, and imagine him as he humbly, you know, picked up the ear of Malchus, the servant, and put it back on. Not showy. Jesus never did anything showy while he was on earth. Well, there was a Mount of Transfiguration. That was kind of showy. You could argue that. He was transfigured before them. That that you could... Consider that maybe a, a, a foretaste because in Revelation 1911, I'm going to read this to you. Then I saw heaven standing open. I don't know what that means. It seems big. And there before me was a white horse and its rider is called faithful and true with righteousness. He judges and wages war. This world revelation largely describes a tribulation at the end of this present age and this world currently, I can tell you, I hunger and thirst for righteousness. And it says, with righteousness, he judges and wages war. He has eyes like blazing fire and many royal crowns on his head. He has a name written on him that only he himself knows. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in fine linen, white and pure, follow him on white horses. These will be us, raptured and changed. And from his mouth proceeds a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. This is uh, speaking of this battle at the end of the age, which I believe matches up to Zechariah. Chapter 14, when we read, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming when your plunder will be divided in your presence. This is speaking to Israel. For I will gather all the nations for battle against Jerusalem, and the city will be captured, the houses looted, the women ravished, half the city will go into exile, but the rest of the people will not be removed from the city. Then the Lord will go out to fight against those nations as he fights on the day of battle. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, forming a great valley with half the mountain moving to the north and half to the south. You will flee by my mountain valley, for it will extend to Azel. You will flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Josiah, king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come and all the holy ones with him. And I think that's what we're reading about here in Revelation. I think that there's much, much to happen on that day. It's scattered throughout many different prophecies. 
But we read in Revelation 15, and from his mouth proceeds a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. And he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Just amazing things are going to happen here. Amazing, amazing things. This is the beginning of the defeat of all evil. It goes on to describe some. One of the other things that I think is going to happen in that day is described in Zechariah chapter 12. When we read, then I will pour out on the house of David and on the people of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and prayer. And they will look on me, the one they have pierced. They will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. And we read in Romans, uh, well, Romans chapter 10, that all Israel, or chapter 11, I think, all Israel will be saved. All who survive to that time, they'll realize what they've done. They'll all be brought to belief. And then in Revelation 20, we read about this thousand-year period that we call the millennium. I saw an angel come down from heaven with the key to the abyss, holding in his hand a great chain. And he sees the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years and he threw him into the abyss, shut it and sealed it over him so that he could not deceive the nations until the thousand years were complete. After that, he must be released for a brief period of time. Then I saw the thrones and those seated on them had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. And those who had not worshiped the beast or its image, not received its mark on their foreheads or hands. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years were complete. This is the first resurrection. But the amazing thing is here, with all this that happens, when the thousand years are complete, verse 7, Satan will be released from his prison, and he will go out to deceive the nations after a thousand years of righteousness and truth reigning. This is the ultimate testimony to the sinfulness of man. The ultimate testimony. That Satan will go out and deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to assemble them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the seashore. The ultimate testimony of man's sinfulness. That these people are deceived when they literally have, we have the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who is called faithful and true. He is called true. He said, I am the way and the truth. In the life. And yet here's the testimony that man, what does it say in John 1, uh, 14? That's Acts. But that man, what am I thinking of? John 1, am um, I thinking of John 1, 14? The word became, but we see his glory. Uh, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong verse. Oh, no, no, here's uh, the true light. Uh, he was in the world, and in the world was made through him, and the world might recognize him. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking of that. Anyway, but just the, the the contrast with these people who are deceived and chose to follow a lie rather than he who is true and ruling on the throne. They marched across the broad expanse and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city, but fire came down from heaven and consumed them. So it's not really even a, a war at this point. There's nothing left. But the ultimate testimony of the true sinfulness of, of man, we... You know, we who are believers must continually 
realize that, that, that we are just sinful and we must cling to the Lord. After a thousand years of righteous, true peace, at the end of that, they're going to be deceived. I find that just amazing. Fire came down from heaven and consumed them. The devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, into which the beast and the false prophet had already been thrown. There they'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. This is the beginning of eternity. And uh, I think in this day and age, we must be sharing the gospel. We must share the truth of the words of life with those who are perishing. The good news. But part of the good news is that you can't understand it unless you realize the end from the beginning, which has been declared to us by our God here in Revelation 20:11. Then I saw a great white throne and the one seated on it. Earth and heaven fled, fled from his presence, and no place was found for them. You cannot hide. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And there were books, open books, and one of them was the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their deeds, as recorded. In the books, the sea gave up its dead, and death and Hades gave up their dead, and each one was judged according to his deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone was found whose name was not written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And so we've got to, this is part of the the groundwork for the good news. The good news is that we're saved by grace through the death Resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ 